Organisation is one of your best tools for managing your costs. You want to allow enough time to be able to source your labour and materials because if you try to do that under pressure, you don't have the time to compare prices, to negotiate prices and to really brief your trades to do the job. You're listening to the She Renovates podcast. You're listening to She Renovates, the podcast for women who want to renovate to create an income and a life they love. Hello, renovators. Regardless of whether you're renovating your family home, an investment property or a flip, managing the costs is critical. And in this episode, I'm going to share with you 10 ways in which you can contain your renovation costs. I've also created a little ebook that covers this topic, and you can download a copy of that with the show notes. So let's get into it. Generally, there are three types of costs with your renovation the holding costs, the labour costs, and the material costs. So I'm not going to talk about holding costs, I'm mainly talking about labour and material. And while labour does form the largest component, you really want to be able to manage both and keep them to a minimum without compromising the outcome. And that's really important because you need to be able to produce a quality product and do it for the best price possible. Basically, we talk about producing champagne on a Prosecco budget. And the first thing that I want to share with you is that you need to be super organised. Organisation is one of your best tools for managing your costs. You want to allow enough time to be able to source your labour and materials because if you try to do that under pressure, you don't have the time to compare prices, to negotiate prices and to really, I guess, brief your trades to do the job. So allowing time to get all that organised ahead of time is critical because if you try, it's not that you can't source or get a tradesperson in at last minute. I've done it plenty of times. However, if you're running a whole project like that, you are really at risk of um, mistakes happening and blowouts. So try and get super-duper organised, have plenty of time to be able to check out the sales and get more than one quote. If all the quotes coming in high, be able to go and get another quote and so on. So the second point is to basically make sure that you tame your tradies. And by that, I mean that you firstly have a formal tender process. Now, if you're in the habit of just calling tradies in, talking through what you want with them, and then providing you a price, that may work in some scenarios, but when you're having to manage the costs, it's not going to work because you don't have any written record of what they've priced in order for you to feel confident that you've got everything covered and to keep them honest because you can go along in a project and then find they're um, requesting a variation. It may well be something that was included in the, the scope, but if you've got no written record of it, then you've got nowhere to go. 
If you can, go for fixed price quotes. Now, at the moment, well, certainly during COVID, that has been very difficult. Many trades where we've been operating will not provide fixed price quotes. So, but if you can, that is certainly the best way to go. Now, the tradesman or tradeswoman will usually allow a risk factor in that. They will allow a buffer. I would suggest you try and negotiate out at least some of that so that your fixed price is the best price and so that you don't have to worry about overruns. So the third point is make sure you get a good handyman to help you in the project. So there are lots of bits and pieces that need to be done. And if you're having to get each one of those separately quoted, it will probably end up costing you more. And often a handyman can do a good job on many of the tasks that need doing and do it at a cost-effective price. I like to engage a handyman on a day rate. And so to do things like skirtings, splashback, tidy up grubby details, usually you'll end up with things that, that have sort of slipped through the cracks with each trade and you'll need someone to tidy them up. Often a handyman is a great solution. You know, often a builder will, if you say create a new wall, a builder will sheet it, but they won't float and set the joints. So you then need to go and get a plaster to do that. And on a small job, it's just not economically viable to bring another trade in, whereas a handyman will often do everything. And that's awesome. The fourth point is to retain what you can. Often you make profit on what you keep. And particularly with trades and builders, they tend to want to gut a building. They want to go all through, strip it out, start from fresh, which when you're making a profit from renovating, you just cannot afford to do. So you want to try and retain what you can. And also look at what's in the property that you can reuse. So often I've, I've reused the oven, taken it out, it's hardly ever used because clearly the owner didn't bake. And then when we finished the kitchen, put the same oven back in. So it saved me to $900 for a new oven. Another project, I was actually, demolition was going on and I brought in a security company because there was a secure, an alarm system there and I was wondering whether it could be recycled. And they, so we had the base unit and they were saying, yeah, we'd probably just use some wireless sensors and we'd reinstall it and with these new sensors. But then when we looked, we discovered that those wireless sensors that he was talking about were in the rubbish. So basically that's what had been installed and the demolition contractors had just ripped them out and thrown them in the rubbish. So we went and pulled them out of the rubbish and reinstated it. So I got my security system at a very, you know, reasonable price. Kitchens are great places for sinking lots of money in. So you really want to manage the kitchen process really well. Once again, it does not mean compromising the quality of the kitchen. But instead of going to a all-in-one kitchen company, you want to subcontract the various components of the kitchen. If you go to a full-service kitchen company, you will be paying for a full-time designer. You'll be paying their um, overheads to have a showroom. When they have the cabinetry made, they will be marking that up. And they'll also mark up all the trades that they engage to your kitchen. So basically, you will pay exponentially more for that 
kitchen than it is costing. So what you can do is actually source those various components, the cabinet maker, the plumber, the electrician, yourself, and so that you basically get the wholesale price of your kitchen. The other, I guess, benefit going directly to the cabinet maker rather than going through a kitchen company is that things like we love to have lovely big white drawers, whereas if you order it through a company like that, you'll find that they will be really expensive. Whereas there's no real reason why a drawer, a wider drawer should be that much more expensive because it's the same amount of labour that goes into making it, just a bit more material, where you can get those luxury proportions at a reasonable price just by going directly to the cabinet maker. The other thing about going directly to the cabinet maker is that you get things like your um, vanity at a reasonable price and your laundry cabinets. So I'd say put as much um, as you can into the package and so save across the the board, get consistency with your design and so on. My next tip is to design for standard sizes. So things like glass as in mirrors and shower screens, doors, fencing, wardrobes, curtains, Designed for standard sizes so that you're not having to have them custom made. This will save you a lot. And it doesn't mean that you have to compromise on the quality. For instance, with doors, they, the standard size of a door is 2040 millimeters by 820. And, but there's a second size that's not quite as common, but still available as 2340 by 820, 920, whatever, quite a few widths that you can source if you're wanting a taller door. So you can still get that good, that luxury look, but without going to custom. So the next point I want to make is build up a repertoire of reno hacks. Now, one of our renos, I actually wrote a little ebook and enlisted in it 55 hacks, reno hacks, in order to get that champagne on a Prosecco budget look. And so I'll include a link to that download in with the show notes as well so that now that we've got two things that you need to download, the ebook that covers these 10 points plus the 55 reno hacks. And so some things like I like to hang curtains from the ceiling. So what this does is does gives you a luxurious long look where you don't see the head so when you have a rail or a curtain rail or track against a wall when the curtains are back you can you see the track and it looks tacky Um, but if you hang them from the ceiling it's a much better look but of course you need to know where you can get curtains that are long enough to hang from floor to ceiling particularly if you have high ceilings so in the project we've just finished we've got 2800 millimeter ceiling heights we've hung our curtains from the ceiling we bought s-fold from freedom and i'll share a picture in the show notes another hack in another project we had a small look wanted to set up create a desk there but wanted to tie it in with the kitchen so i had the desk built out of stud work so 90 by 45 pine and then clad it with the kitchen cabinetry material 
so that it looked like a big chunky wooden desk out of the same timber as the kitchen doors when in reality it wasn't. So little hacks like that really help you get that uh, great look without um, blowing your budget. The next point is uh, flat pack, using flat pack. So in regards to kitchen, if you find the right cabinet maker, often flat pack won't be overly much cheaper than going directly to the cabinet maker, but you need to find the right cabinet maker. But what it does save you is time. And it also provides options for other areas where you want might want to do a feature. So with flat pack, and not all flat pack, but certainly with IKEA, you can go directly to the store and pick up the flat pack, take it home and install it that day. Whereas with the cabinet maker, you're going to have to wait at least three weeks to put it in. Now, I've done a whole episode on installing flat packs so it doesn't look like a flat pack. So if you've not listened to that, please go back and listen to it. But the other things like flat pack wardrobes, they can be a big um, budget saver. And also you can make some features. So one of the things I did in one project was create window boxes from flat packs. So we had high cabinets either side and then we had drawers along the front under the window and then put a um, cushion on top of those drawers and we created a window seat. So the you're only limited by your imagination. One is source products from places, other places such as from renovation auctions and Facebook Marketplace that I've sourced lots of particularly statement light fittings, job lots of tiles, floor coverings, carpet. Just really watch the auctions and watch uh, Marketplace and you'll be surprised what you pick up. Even new appliances, heated tower rails, you name it. So keep a keen eye out for that. And the last point is to upcycle or recycle. Now, this is a really interesting tactic for kitchens in particular. Now, one of our students recently bought a magnificent Hamptons kitchen for $500, complete with 60 mil marble and was able to put a spectacular kitchen in her project Obviously, there are other costs. Obviously, that you've got to have it transported and installed and sometimes the stone gets damaged so you might have to have it repaired, but it can save you an enormous amount of money. And But the thing is, if you're going to go for an upcycle kitchen, you need to plan the configuration of your kitchen around it because you're not getting the kitchen custom-made, the cabinets custom-made to suit your kitchen, you're custom making your kitchen to suit the cabinets. Um, so that can have a few challenges, but definitely worth doing. So in the download that I've created for you, I've also added a case study where of a project where a lot of these cost-saving tips were implemented for a, to create a spectacularly high profit margin and a beautiful renovation as well. Okay, that's it from me today. Take care and I'll see you next week. This is the She Renovates podcast.
To discover how to harness the power of renovating, check out theschoolofrenovating.com.